Do you find yourself going to post on social media or writing an email and the words just won't come out or you're not sure if they're aligned with your brand or you're not sure if they're going to come across to your client just right? Well, today's show, I have Kayla Hollitz, who is a copywriter and a ghostwriter here in the Minneapolis area, and she's going to share with you tips and tricks on how you can get started and really refine your brand voice and how that can impact your marketing and help your clients in the best of ways. Let's do this. You're listening to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast, where we invite you to check your ego at the app, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to dive into all things real estate marketing, social media, friendship, hardship, love, money mindset, and all the things that celebrate you as a badass boss babe. We're here to encourage you, show up for you, give you a loving kick in the pants when you need it most, and be your soft place to land on the hardest of days. So pull up a seat at our table and get ready to be inspired and start living your best life by design. Welcome to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. We are so excited you're here. Okay, girls, let's dive in. Okay, so welcome to the show, Kayla. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me, Christy. I'm really excited just to be able to have a chance to chat with you, but then also uh, connecting with your listeners too. Yes, it's going to be so much fun. So Kayla and I go back several years, actually. Kayla helped me. (laughs) Um, She's amazing. You guys are going to love her, but she helped me uh, do copy editing for a previous business. And that is really, and that was like, goodness, maybe six years ago now. Oh my, it was, it was, it's a lot. It's several years ago. And she, I really learned what copywriting and copy editing was at that point and the power in it. And so having you on today, I feel like is such a big deal because everyone, (laughs) everyone needs to hear this. They need to hear this. So, um, I'm so excited. So I'm going to dive right into questions because I actually have kind of a lot, (laughs) kind of a lot. Um, And I really want you to just hear Kayla speak on all of this good stuff. So first thing is, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, man. I mean, whoever knows how to start that question, right? (laughs) It's totally loaded. It's like the speed networking round. All right, here I am. (laughs) Um, Uh, So I, of course, my name is Kayla. I'm a copywriter by trade. Um, I have been freelancing for about seven years now, which seems wow. wild. I always joke with people that it's the longest thing I've ever stuck with. So <laughs> that, that's that been wonderful. But yeah, so a lot of what I do for those of you who may not necessarily know exactly what copywriting is. So copywriting is the practice of writing for different promotional or marketing materials. And so a lot of times uh, copywriters will work on anything from website copy to landing pages to sales funnels and email sequences. It really kind of runs the full gamut there. But um, I'm also a ghostwriter. So kind of an interesting part of ghostwriting is that um, there are silent writers like myself who will be behind the scenes inside different businesses, will be writing for them. And then it's not actually our name on the byline. It's somebody else's. And so that is probably the majority of my work. I'd say 
maybe about 75% of my work never is going to have my name on it. So you'll never know I was the person writing it, which is very interesting. Um, But then there's a little other side of my business too, where I do content writing for blogs. And that usually has my, uh, my name on the byline. So yeah, it's kind of an interesting field. There's a lot of different names for what we do. And there's some nuances to it, but it's fun. So I, I love that. And I love that you explain the difference between copywriting and ghostwriting right away. That's great. Uh, so can you, what is, do you have a favorite thing to do of the copy editing, copywriting, ghostwriting? Do you, you know, ha- it's tough, right? Because I mean, it's nice to be able to see your name on the byline so that when you're sharing things with people, you can say for real, this was written by me. <laughs> but, but I do think like the real beauty of ghostwriting is that you kind of almost get into the head of somebody else. You get to work a whole lot more with brand voice, with somebody's brand personality. And I would say that most of the time when you are working with someone who comes to you, and a lot of times for copywriters, this is the case, you know, somebody saying, I can't write this on my own. I have no idea how to sound like myself, all of those like different kind of pain points. And then somebody bringing those to you, you going through a process writing for them and them feeling like, oh my gosh, you communicated this thing that I never could communicate on my own. I think that that's kind of the magic of some of the copywriting and ghostwriting work that we get to do. So that's a really nice, warm, fuzzy feeling, but that's why I like to do both of them so that I don't necessarily have to choose. (laughs) Okay. I remember being so like impressed, I guess, and just had no idea what was all involved in that process and how in-depth like and layered it was. It was really, really cool to learn when we worked together. So I love that. Okay. So next question for you is how do you figure out someone's voice? So if I call you or call any other ghostwriter, copywriter, like how do you figure that out? What's the strategy behind it, the process? I've kind of been in it, but not to the full extent of like ghostwriting. So I would love to hear about that. Yeah. So I kind of like to tell people that it's a little bit of investigation. So a little bit of research and, uh, you know, looking over other people's resources. So investigation, a little bit of intention, right? Like we have to be super intentional about the words that we're using um, and just how we're using them. And then the last part that I lean on a lot, which is kind of a difficult part of the process that you can't necessarily teach per se, but it's kind of intuition. So investigation, intention, and a lot of intuition, because there are certain things like for me, when I am talking for a client um, for, for the first time, a lot of times I'm picking up just naturally on their mannerisms. I'm looking at words that they're naturally just saying when they're talking about their work. And I'm taking, of course, like voracious notes on everything. And it's also really great just to be able to see people's body language. So that's why I like to be able to have video calls with people instead of phone calls. So that kind of helps me get um, the wheels turning, so to speak. But then when we actually get inside the brand voice kind of discovery process, every single copywriter has a completely different process for how they do it. And inside that process, most of us are going to have some sort of questionnaire where we're asking you questions about your brand voice. So it kind of depends on how much of a person's brand voice somebody has already discovered. If somebody is starting a brand from scratch or they just feel like their voice has never really had legs, 
Um, usually what I kind of take them through is a few different exercises. The first is just trying to understand, okay, how is it that you talk about your brand? So I usually recommend for people to record themselves talking about what it is that they do, how they serve their clients. Because if we're not using words that we naturally speak, it, there's going to be some inconsistencies when we talk with them versus what we're saying on our website or other promotional materials. So that's kind of the first step. Then I would say from there, I really like to have people do what I like to call the brand uh, dictionary. And that's really just a fancy way for talking about like starting to pull words that you really love. And all of us have words that we want to avoid there. Those are the words that we feel like, okay, if we ever see those in our copy, like it, it's not, it's not going to be a fit, you know, and people have the weirdest words that they put on their avoid list. <laughs> you would be so surprised. Like I remember there's one specific example. I remember one guy was just saying like, if I ever see anything about teamwork makes the dream work, like that was just one of his pet peeves. And you know, in those moments you go, okay, I don't think that I ever would have said that, but that also helps me know, okay, you probably don't like overused sayings. You maybe like words like collaboration rather than teamwork. So again, it just kind of like helps to get you moving in the conversation rather than talking about brand voice because sometimes it can feel like this intangible kind of big picture thing and it's hard to put it into like tangible words exactly what your brand voice is. So I think those exercises can kind of help you get started. And there's a bunch of other things that you can do too. Uh, but I know that we've got other things to chat about too. So um, if anybody wants to chat a little bit more about brand voice, we can definitely do that. But those are, I think, some of the best kind of most basic steps for you to be taking. And I also think that um, just remembering that uh, like if you are building a company first brand, there's probably going to be a little bit more of a brand personality around what you're crafting that you want to bring into the conversation. Whereas a personal brand like myself, I brand underneath my own name. It's a lot easier for me to just kind of move forward with my own voice, just with maybe some corners that have been refined um, over time. So it's just good to, to think about that. I love so much that you brought up how it doesn't feel like a tangible thing because when we speak mm -hmm. about brand voice and we, we talk marketing on this podcast and the majority of our listeners are realtors, not all of them, small business owners and realtors sure. or in that world, it, a lot of the content is being repurposed for clients, right? That's already out there. And so being able to take that same content and actually put your brand voice on it is is hugely important and what, what sets you apart. So I love that you just kind of called the elephant in the room like it's like it's not tangible and that's the one thing that's really hard to explain, I think. So yeah, I think you're totally right. It, it almost feels like sometimes I remember somebody telling me that they're like, I don't feel like I have a voice, but I feel like I have a vibe. And I'm like, you're halfway there. Like, yes, yes. You know, <laughs> I love it. That's so true. Okay. So a lot of the time when, when we think about branding, we think about the visuals. And we've had Allison of Allie Marie Design on, who I know that oh, you know as well. Her. I love her so much. She does all of our branding stuff, the visuals. Um, and so we think of that. But when we think of brand voice and creating like a really strong brand voice, can you kind of explain the difference behind that and how like effective mm. that can be in a strategy, you know, as much, as much so or most, more so than, than the visuals? 
Yeah. And you know, I think it really depends on the people that you are partnering with and how that kind of works within your organization. But a lot of times what I recommend for people to do is to work with a brand designer first, as long as they are bringing in brand strategy as a part of their process, which Allison is amazing because she does so much of that. So um, if that is not a part of the process, then usually I recommend for copywriting to come first. And then we kind of come in with more of that brand strategy process. So it just depends on who's kind of owning the brand foundational um, part, I guess is what you would say. And then I think from there, a lot of times uh, you can just tag team with a designer. They are able to take the same brand strategy, put it into messaging through visuals. And then we are taking the messaging and putting it into, you know, like the actual tangible words themselves that you are using on anything. And so I think for me, especially my copywriting project or process is actually very visual. And I mean, you've gone through it, Christy. So you know that I start with what I call the content wireframes and they are not fancy at all. Like Allison can design something much better than I can. (laughs) But I think what's so great is thinking about kind of the visual organization of how the content's coming together. And a lot of times when I'm working with designers, they say, hey, if you've got a vision, go for it. I'll actually make the visuals and the design really beautiful. But then for me, I'm able to come in more as the content strategist and to kind of set the tone for the project of how everything is going to be visually laid out and organized um, so that we're writing the best content. And then it's so easy to input it into the design. So I don't really think that you can have one or the other. Um, I think it's kind of an and both conversation. So I love it when you're working in collaboration with designers at the same time, because while we can take visuals or while a designer can take copy, when they're working together um, simultaneously, I think that's where you have the most magical kind of projects. I was just in my head when you said that that's where the magic happens. And then you said, yes, Yes, I am on this (laughs) wavelength here. I agree so much. Okay. So can you talk a little about a little more, dive a little bit deeper into how your brand voice can impact your business as far as in marketing and getting it out mm. there into the world to like your your right clients? Yeah, absolutely. So I think brand voice is really important, like you were talking about, because especially in real estate or other types of industries, you know, there's a certain level of competition, not only locally, but just kind of nationwide or even on a global scale. And so in order for you to be able to really stand out, you can have things like SEO that can help you with rankings. Um, You can have amazing branding like you're talking about that's going to make you stand out with visuals. But at the end of the day, in order for somebody to convert, for somebody to actually go from a visitor on your website or, you know, an onlooker to somebody who wants to take action by setting up a call with you um, or kind of getting into the nitty gritty, you need to have words that are kind of that vehicle from one place to another. And so I think if your brand voice doesn't feel like it's authentic, or maybe it sounds even too much like your competitor. So again, if you're looking at your competitors too much, I find this happens a lot of times in the competitor research stage. Um, So just having, uh, I think, some like boundaries around how much you're really diving into other brands and taking inspiration from them, of course. I mean, we can be inspired by a lot of different things. But in the end, it's important for you to be able to think about the kind of vibe again that you're trying to have at your company, um, the voice that all of you speak with, especially if you have like multiple team members, kind of the the magic, I guess, as we're talking about that happens there is being able to get everybody in, in a room and talking about like 
how do you perceive our voice? How do you want us to be able to show up um, in the marketplace? And not only do I think that that validates your team members, but, um, you know, of course, if you're building this more company first brand instead of just a personal brand, you want, you know, maybe you as one team member, you're driving the bus a little bit more, but you've got some other passengers with you. And to be able to make them feel like they've got a voice in the conversation too, you'll be able to maybe add a little bit more of that like multifaceted aspect to your marketing. And so what's so great with that, especially when we're talking about real estate, for for example, is that, you know, you as kind of like the founder maybe may have one kind of like personality and voice that you bring to the conversation. But if you're able to add some of those like nuances to your brand voice in certain areas of your promotional materials or your website or those sorts of things, then it feels like when somebody is meeting with one of your agents, it still feels like a fit because it's talking about the overall values that um, you all are driven by, or it's talking about the mission that you all share. So again, these are all in some ways like these these kind of like big picture ideas, but I do think that you can make it tangible when you're doing those team brainstorms and uh, when you're putting that out into the world. And the more that you hear from your client leads, like this is exactly what I was expecting. Um, that is just going to be able to help you know where you're doing really well with your brand voice. You just described that so incredibly well. And there's many, <laughs> many listeners that are uh, either starting a team or have a team mm-hmm. or are on a team. And we really encourage, you know, the whole team to work together and to all like yeah. operate under that team brand. And then in addition to most realtors will have their personal brand, which operates mm-hmm. kind of under that umbrella too. And you just described that so well and really just encouraging again to allow the, the team members to have a voice included in it which makes such a strong team, I think, too. So I I love that you touched on that so much. Um, Okay, so next question for you is, how did you land in this career? Did you go to college? (laughs) I can't remember. Like, have you, you, I believe you've always been a writer, but I'd like to hear more about that. And then did you go to college for this? Like, what does that look like for you? Your role here? It's so interesting because you ask any copywriter and they're going to have a completely different path because there's no opportunity to major in copywriting. You can major in, you know, business, marketing, creative writing, um, communications. For myself, um, I went into mass comm for um, school and then also with like an emphasis on public relations. I actually started school uh, as a fashion journalist and only made it into that for about uh, a semester before I went, nope, I cannot do something this specific. I need to do something a little bit more broad. Um so yeah, it's been an interesting journey because I just kind of remember being in school, really wanting to get that like coveted PR agency job here in Minneapolis. To be honest, there's not that many, but there's a ton of graduates. And so I was really excited during my program to be able to start creating my own blog at the time. And I had no dreams of entrepreneurship, didn't even hardly know about what was going on in the online entrepreneurship world. Um But, you know, it was just amazing to meet with so many different women who were just building incredible businesses online. And I just had this feeling where I was like, I I think I can do that, too. So I told myself, okay, I'll I'll work at a PR agency, which I did. And I said, I'll give it a year. And if I still want to do this, I have to just take a chance while I'm young and just kind of do it. And so um, when I first left uh, the job, I had a business before my copywriting business, interestingly. So I was doing social media consulting, had no idea how to build a sustainable model. 
Um, and I'm just totally calling myself out, like did not have a great year of business and was like, I can't do this sustainably. So I ended up, you know, long story short, having to make some changes, kind of looking back at some of those age old questions of what are my skills? Like, what do people say that I'm good at? And I had always been told from a very young age that you couldn't like make a living writing, right? It was kind of one of those like starving artist pipe dream type things. And I just remember feeling like, okay, what if I challenge that? A little bit. And so I went to some of my social media clients at the time, basically told them in humility, hey, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore because it's it's not working. But do you want to maybe work on writing instead? Because I had been blogging for so many years and had been writing poetry. And I mean, writing was a huge part of my life. So yeah, they ended up saying yes. And from my first website that I wrote for somebody else, like seven years ago, I said, this is it. Like, I think that this is my thing. And so ever since then, it's been growth year over year. I'm still um, very intentionally uh, kind of a one woman show right now. I've had some opportunities to build a team, have just decided that I love working with clients one on one. And here we are. So that's, that's the short version. And it's not even that short. <laughs> I love it. It's, well, your process is so personalized. I just love that so much about it. And so can you, can you share with us, like, what's your driving force, like your big why, your true north? Mm. Like, what is that for you? Oh my gosh. I think that it, it sometimes evolves over time. Um, yes. I think on the, on the more personal side of things, I like really dream of someday building a custom home with my husband that's on the water. So there are things like that, that just kind of for us together, keep us going. And uh, my dad also uh, is a architect. And so the idea of being able to bring him into the process, since he's one of my closest people. So there's things like that, where, you know, that's kind of outside of business, what, what, keeps me going. And then there's the other side that's more of like the the cause on my heart. I do a lot with um, helping and supporting sex trafficking survivors, whether that is through, um, you know, funds for their therapy, for um, career programs, it kind of runs the full gamut there. Uh, so I guess that those are the more personal why things. And I think what's been interesting for me over time is realizing that on, on the more personal side, it almost sometimes feels stronger for my mission to be there than just, I don't necessarily have big goals when it comes to like, I need to meet an X figure amount of money in order for me to feel like my business is growing, or I need to gain all of these very, very specific skills, or again, have all of these team members. Clearly, I'm not necessarily doing that. And so it's been interesting for me. And I think I'm still processing through and it's taken many years for me to remember that like we all get into business because we can define whatever that is for ourselves. And I had a season of business, a pretty long one where I felt like everybody was telling me what my business should turn into or what they would do if they were me. And I had to really shut out those voices and tell myself, okay, like I get to drive the ship and it's important for my business to be able to reflect me and my values and my mission. And it's okay if maybe some of my mission is uh, more on the personal side of things. And so I'm still building confidence in that area, but that is that is my answer today. <laughs> I Oh, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Like that is is so important. And having that like your big why or like your true north as as that leading force in what you do keeps you so aligned with your business, sure. with your life. And it helps kind of um, eliminate some of those questions, sort of. Sort of something. Yeah, at least for the time being. <laughs> for the time Until they being. pop up again and you're like, I thought like whack-a-mole, like I thought I already handled you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a constant work in progress. 
process, I think, really. Uh, so what does your everyday look like? I think for a lot of people with entrepreneurs, you're like, what do you actually do? Like, what is, I know that you copyright, you ghostwrite, yeah. and you work with people. What does that actually look like for you on a daily basis? Absolutely. So I, I must add the caveat that when I first got started, I considered myself and sometimes my creative process still can be like very scattered. I'm not naturally an incredibly like structured and organized person. I think I've learned that over time. But now if you were to look at my calendar, it's very actually like disciplined and structured. Uh, so it's interesting. So Kind of going into this year, I wanted to eliminate some nuances to my schedule, make things a little bit more streamlined, still had those questions of, you know, how, how much of this can I really actually do? And what I have found is that by having a little bit more structure to my days, it not only allows me to produce my best work, but um, it also allows my clients to know exactly what to expect in terms of when they can hear with me, when they can get on a call with me. So a really brief overview of quite literally what my week looks like is Monday are my blog retainer days. So I'm writing all day. Usually those are like 5,000 word plus days. So it's a lot on those wow. days. So I am. So basically on Monday, I am coming back from the weekend and I am just starting with huge productivity. And that confidence kind of gets me through the rest of the week, to be quite honest. Um, and usually the, the blog aspect of writing that I'm doing is a lot of research, a lot of analysis, but it's not necessarily super heavy on the more like creative and highly, highly strategic side of things, because mostly I've done the strategic side of um, the blog during the outlining stage and those sorts of things. So it is really nice to be able to put all of that into Monday. I've got great confidence. Then Tuesdays are my call days. So if you ever want to have a meeting with me, a call, anything, those are usually my days. And I'm, I'm most of the time pretty strict to that because um, that just allows me to protect my other days so I can do what I like to call the deep work. Because when you are a writer, if you are trying to write something in the morning, you have a call in the middle of the day, and then you try to go back to writing, it does not work. It just doesn't. So uh, I started to learn that kind of natural rhythm for myself and realizing that protecting those huge blocks of time is actually the best thing that I can do. So then Wednesdays are either days where I am um, working on a day rate or I'm doing some sort of intensive with a client. So that's, again, like really intense work with one person. But then we're able to kind of be done with that project at the end of the day. And then Thursdays, lastly, are my days where I'm able to wrap up with the wonderful creative and strategic wor work of uh, website copy. And so those are the days where, um, you know, every single week I'm going to be working with them for a month to really kind of key into what's their website strategy, their SEO, their website copywriting, their revisions. So again, there's kind of a whole structure to it. And if there are little changes that need to happen, I know how to be nimble and, and work within that. And that's probably even more information than you needed. But I have found that like really it, it comes down to having those huge time blocks where I'm able to have just completely uninterrupted work time. And I know that that probably is different for realtors because I think you guys have to be a little bit more reactive sometimes than um, you know, me being able to like kind of carve out my own schedule and stuff too. But I still think there are at least some things that maybe you can take away from that to be able to kind of create those like batching times. Oh, absolutely. We talk about time blocking a lot being such an effective strategy for if someone's kind of just jumping into social media or just jumping into, you know, like copywriting, copywriting their own things or, or writing their own things. Sorry, not copywriting. Um, and being able to set that aside and block that off so it actually gets done. 
is very mm-hmm. effective and when that can fit into your week and kind of sticking to it. So that totally makes sense there, even, even in this world, really. So, okay. Next question I have for you is a fun one, I think. <laughs> uh, these are all fun, but this is a really fun one. So <laughs> I saw that you have read over a hundred books this year. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, I've been sticking to Audible because, you know, two and a half year old situation. Yes. Um, that is still reading. That is is still still reading. reading. It is still reading. Um, and it's actually interesting how that's evolved in my life, but (laughs) how do you decide what you're going to read next? I guess that's Mm. something I'd really love to know. Yeah, that is such a good question. I think it has really changed because this year, probably around February, um, I decided to sign up for what we call like a bookstagram account. So basically, it's just a book related Instagram account. And so when you open yourself up to this bookish world, they will have so many recommendations for you that you will never be able to really look at your reading life the same way again. I went from feeling like I'm super on top of all of my like books in my personal library to now I think that I have maybe like 30 or 40 books on my shelf of 120 some books. I have a very, very minimalist collection right now. It's not that I don't love to read, but I've always read a lot of library books and different things. But once I got into this community, I just have been amassing books um, <laughs> quite a bit, which I I love. I've, I've decided now, um, and, and my husband understands just kind of saying that like, okay, books are going to be our decor from now on and until forever. So that's just going to be our thing. But In terms of recommendations, there's a few podcasts that I like to listen to. There's one called Sarah's Bookshelves Live, and they have a lot of really great recommendations. Another one is quite literally called um, What Should I Read Next? And that's probably one of the bigger bookish podcasts where um, Anne, who's the host of it, is absolutely incredible and just kind of has different everyday readers on. It's not just like people who write or people who are from the publishing world. It's from everyday walks of life. And they kind of tell her more about their reading taste. She gives them recommendations. And I just think it's really great because I, even more than than reading books, I just like, I just love hearing people talk about the books that they love too. Um, and so I've noticed that instead of listening to audiobooks sometimes, I'll end up just listening to some of those podcasts. So I do have a little bit of a list on an app called Goodreads. Uh, If anybody is a reader, get yourself on Goodreads. It's amazing. I love being able to track like what I'm reading, um, what I'm able to see kind of like what my friends are reading. And it's just a really fun little bookish community for people who maybe don't necessarily want an Instagram or um, kind of creating another type of account for those things. But Yeah, I think just staying on top of what it is that you actually want to read. I'm somebody who considers myself more of a mood reader. And what that means is like, it's really hard for me to stick to a list. I can't say here are the next five books that I want to read in this order. That stresses me out. Uh, But I know that there are other people who work very much so that way where they feel like, okay, as long as I have a list of the ones that I'm going to read, I'm just going to accomplish those. And I say hats off to you. But for me as a mood reader, I try to have an idea of what mood I want to be in when I'm reading a specific book. And I will actually wait for that mood. And I always find that that's the best way for me to read. Interesting. Thanks for sharing mm-hmm. that. Okay. So the year is kind of wrapping up here a little bit. We're in that the end of end of the year of 2021. What are you looking forward to most in 2022? Oh my gosh. Um, what am I looking forward to in the new year? I mean, I, I think I have honestly 
just really tempered my expectations for things just around the pandemic because um, it is still a thing. We have no idea kind of what things look like. And uh, on a more personal note, last year I got married during the pandemic. We got engaged right before it started. And we've had two moves during the pandemic and uh, just so many different job changes for my husband, as well as just nuances and, and differences in my own kind of schedule with business where I almost feel like I'm kind of going into the new year, not having too many expectations and allowing myself to kind of shift depending on in some ways, like what's needed of me in that season. And so I I'm definitely going through a time right now where I'm trying to refocus on like my physical health, my mental health, spiritual health, all of those things. Because as we all know in business, if those things are not as um, you know aligned as you can possibly make them, then there's going to be other things that no matter how great your business is going, it may suffer a little bit for that. So I think that going into this season, focusing on some of those more personal growth areas, my hope is that I'm able to come out of that feeling really strong about, okay, now that I go back into my professional growth, what are maybe some of those skills that I want to learn or the things that I want to play with and do? Because I have a lot of different ideas, Christy. I've been writing down my ideas. I've got this whole like journaling system for how I am tracking my ideas right now. And, um, you know, my husband just rolls his eyes at me, but I, I think it's a great way for me to feel like I'm still moving forward in certain areas of my business and still thinking about what things could be. But in the meantime, it's important for me to really focus on some of those more health aspects. And I think sometimes it can be easier to do that since we're uh, recording this in the fall. And for us in Minnesota, when it gets into the winter, it's kind of like peak reflection time, rest time, hibernation, so to speak. So um, I honestly, I don't love the weather necessarily itself um, for us in Minnesota, but I love that time of just being able to almost kind of retreat away from the world and to really rethink those things. So I'm just excited, honestly, to see what comes out of that time. And I think that that will probably set the tone for what the next year is going to look like. That sounds amazing. It's that really sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm with you. Don't love the weather, but love the time for reflection and like space that it gives us. And yeah, space is a good winter. word. Yeah, that's my word of the year. I decided. I, I gave myself <gasps> oh. a word for the year. I know I couldn't like goals and stuff just didn't work, but the word mm-hmm. I was like space. Space works, and so that's really what I put focus on this this entire year. And I think it's going to shift into 2022 because it's it feels good. Okay, so if someone is like, all right, I need to need to start on this brand voice, like I have a better understanding now, what are three actionable items they can do today to to get mm-hmm. started with that, to really start refining that voice, defining, you know, their ideal client, that sort of thing through that voice? Like, what are three steps you would give them to get started? Sure. So I would say, first of all, again, uh, if you are having a hard time writing like how you're speaking, go back to actually hearing how you're speaking about your business. And so if you can use uh, either a recording device or even a dictation tool, there are some really cool dictation tools where you can speak something and then it will actually automatically write it for you. So I know a lot of clients who have done that, which is fantastic. Or you can you know, have an audio recording that you end up getting a transcription for whatever floats your boat. But um, once you kind of get into that, then it's really great for you to possibly think about sending something to either a really close business friend, maybe even a um, friend of yours kind of just from your personal circle. 
And I love when you're able to show some of your writing and to feel like, okay, if I'm trying to talk in my brand voice, the people who know me most are probably going to be able to tell me, okay, is this right on? Or does this not necessarily make sense? Um, And a, a friend will probably even be able to tell you, okay, this is industry jargon. I don't understand what this is saying. So it can be really helpful just to be able to have somebody look over your writing. It doesn't have to be every single piece of copy that you create. That would probably create a lot of bottlenecks in your own process. (laughs) But if you're kind of, again, like revisiting your brand voice or just getting started with it, it could be helpful to kind of go to some of those people that you know most. Um, We also talked about the brand dictionary, which is choosing those words you love, choosing the words that you really want to avoid. And then I also really recommend for people to write a list down um, even beyond that of words that they use to describe specific parts of their business. So are there certain words that you use to describe your services? Because that is going to be very important. So you can make sure that everybody at your company is using the same words. You know, do you guys, um, I know sometimes, uh, let's just say in the photography world, just to have something for a little bit different as an example, um, you know, do you call uh, the package of deliverables, do you call that a package or do you call that a collection? Do you say pricing or do you say investment? Like it starts to get into some of those minute details, but it can be really helpful so that you feel like everybody is using the same words all of the time so that there's not those like small messaging inconsistencies that somebody may not necessarily completely realize it, but it just does help, um, to streamline everything and just to continue building that sense of trust. So those are some of the things that I would recommend for brand voice for sure. Great, great. So actionable tips to get started. Woohoo. That's awesome. Uh, thank you so, so much for being on here. This was great. I'm I'm just thrilled that you're able to make this happen. And I think this information you provided is going to be so, so crucial for a lot of uh, women working on their brand voice right now. So thank you, Kayla. Um, next thing is where can people find you? and learn more. Yes. So clearly you can find me on bookstagram because I'm reading up a storm. (laughs) But uh, if you want to connect with me outside of that, uh, since I do have more of a personal brand business, you can find me at kaylahollitz.com. And then I'm also on my uh, business Instagram every Tuesday. So there you go. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kayla, for being here. And yeah, I hope that we can connect in person sooner than yes. later. That would be a very soon thing. before the snow hits. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, girls, are you feeling as inspired as we are? We're over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode of the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. If you want more, head over to girlgetyourfaceoffabusbench.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. They mean the world to us and they're what keep us going. Girl, thanks for being here.